So good afternoon, this is Jenny from Anonymous Knowledge podcast, Wisdom from People You Don't Know. And today I have Chris and Debbie Duane from Coastal Funk, a retail store in Yapoon. We're going to hear a little bit more about that. Um, it's Small Business Week here in Queensland uh, and we're celebrating all things about the value that small business brings to the community and the economy here in Queensland. But also today I wanted to talk to Deb and Chris about some of the challenges they face as a small business, particularly in a regional area in Queensland. And they've had an incredible journey over the last decade or so um, and to get to where they are and to continue to grow. So thank you so much for being with us You're today. welcome. It's great to be here. You're welcome. So do you want to start with a little bit of story? We talked last night about how you got into owning Coastal Funk and the origins of that. Can we go back and talk about how that happened? It started, uh, I was working out of the mines at the um, Bowen Basin. Uh, we're actually in Middlemount. And um, Deb, we've always enjoyed candles and, you know, it's always been part of our life. We, we call ourselves sort of, especially Deb, a candle freak. <laughs> so um, she could never really find any really good quality candles. So she started making her own and they turned out so well that friends started saying, well, can we have some, etc., etc. We looked at that and I always thought, you know, I'd love to be able to have a business where people could just burn things, you know, like matches or cigarettes, you know, where they just burn it and throw away and get some more. Well, here we have candles. And I thought, you know, the little light bulb went off. And um, right there in that kitchen, we developed Karma Candles with a K, Karma Candles. So um, Deb started selling those candles at the hospital that she worked at, and they just went off. Great guns. We could just continue, but Deb was just making the, the candles there at home. I was a maintenance superintendent out at the mines, just large pressure, large hours, you know, it was something Deb enjoyed doing. So that's where we kicked it off, right there and then. So we talked just before we started the podcast about that transition from, you know, a cottage industry, so it's a hobby that you were doing at home to, you know, something you could do for weekends that turned into a, a small business or a, a, an income that was unexpected. What was the transition or why did you decide to go from that hobbyist enthusiast on the weekend doing something you like and getting some money into starting a business and creating the business that you have today? Well, I think we, it was a for, an accident forceful. You ended up losing your job. No, no, way, way, way okay. before that. It, it's actually, as we discussed before, it's a talent quest effectively. Deb is a very intelligent woman, very smart at what she does, loves numbers. And it was, she was sitting around sort of flaunting, you know, this great knowledge around at a hospital and for every, everybody else. And I thought, you know what, this, this girl's brilliant. I think she would do well in business itself. So we started doing markets and things like that, and it started to take off. Then we dipped our foot into a storeroom out the back of another retail shop and just thought just to see how that retail would go. And Deb just bloomed. I mean, she just took it in a stride and actually just loved the decor side of it as well and started adding the bits and pieces. So it was just an organic growth from there. So, you know, and Deb was always saying, I'm never going to do this and never going to do that. But in fact, it's kind of something that she's very good at. So, I never wanted to be self-employed. That's right. Mm. She's my never, never girl. <laughs> never getting married, never leaving the States, never having children, never yep. living in Australia, never having her own business. But, you know, 
like we said before, I just wanted to say we're never winning the lottery and we're never getting a bigger <laughs> boat. So. And you're never going to grow as a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's happening, you know, just organically. Um, we, we try not to push too hard. Um, you know, that's the old story about the Mexican with a with the fishing boat. You know, a California guy comes down and this Mexican comes in with his fishing load and California guy says, can you do that every day? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Lots of fish in the sea. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if I get five boats and I want to, you know, get a fish processing plant and make this huge and, you know, and he said, well, what's the benefit of that? And he said, well, we'll be able to sort of have lots of money. We can go home and enjoy our family and rest in the afternoons. And he's Mexican looked at him and said, I do that now. So we're in that position where, you know, you don't have to get bigger all the time, you know. And as we discussed before, we've actually reached a point where we don't want to get any bigger. We, we are supplying a great service and a great experience for our customers in Yapoon. And we just want to tweak the knobs and make it work better for us. So we're at that point where, you know, if someone comes along and wants to buy our business or something, it's a very well-run business. There's going to be some potential in probably some social media sides of things and the website side of things, so there's still potential in it. But we, have a, for growth. we have a saleable market um, product. So it's interesting that you talked about the kind of move from selling it to friends at hospital and your previous work and then at markets and then in a retail shop. So really it's around trial and error. It's, a, it's taking the opportunity. And in the last podcast that I did just last week with a, a, a small company in, in Melbourne who's a coffee provider and their coffee grinders and producers, they did the same thing. They, they said that the keys to their success and their longevity and they've been in business about the same time as you was about not being afraid to take those opportunities but taking calculated risks. Absolutely. Good. So how, how do you decide what, what is a good risk and what's not for you? Well, that's funny because I'm not a risk taker. And Chris, you know, I think you're more of a risk taker and I think we're a good balance because we just kind of hash it over until we're both comfortable. I don't, I wouldn't call myself a risk taker. I'm an opportunist. Yeah. Um, I will look and we always look for the doors that are opening. If you can, if a door closes, there's a reason for that. Don't keep pounding on that door. While you're pounding on that door, you might miss the door that opens across the hall. Yeah. So you're constantly being aware as you go through your journey make yourself aware of opportunities and then discuss those opportunities and this is where we bounce it back and forth and we are a good balance because oh yeah i just want to go do it and there was the other the numbers junkie the, <laughs> the handbrake yeah <laughs> where sometimes you need that and you you just got to take that time to think about it but sometimes you don't know you just i don't know i just read in before you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah wayne gretzky yeah. you know and that's exactly right you in business, you have to continually change, and you do that by trial and error. You try, you try something. And diversifying. Sometimes you stub your toe and go, you know what, that didn't work so well. Okay, dust yourself off. Go, let's not do that again, and we'll try something else. You've got to continually change, morph. So a couple of years ago, you had a fairly significant, um, a significant impact with the cyclones up your way. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that challenges and how you face those challenges and, and some of the lessons that you might share with other businesses who are either in a regional area or just with general um, the challenges of running a business around and things that might come up that they don't expect? Well, there wasn't a cyclone in Yapoon to that extent for 25 years, so it wasn't something we even considered, honestly. So when it hit, it hit hard. Marsha was a really big one for the town. 
It was Category 5, and it, it hit just north of us, thankfully. But, well, not for the people just north of us, but there was a, a lot less population up there. 235 kilometre an hour, sustained winds. Um, it, it was nasty. The, the power was out for two weeks, etc., etc. and we looked at each other, and being a supply business like that, the power being out, people just needed to get their food back in their fridges. Once the power came on, we didn't have people walking in our shop for probably two weeks. Oh, more than that. Um, yeah. So... It, what we did was we understood up there that in my field up in that area they didn't have power for two weeks we boxed candles up of our own product and sent them up there with friends of ours and said please just distribute those to people without power you know if we go down we will go down giving this is we're, we're very proud and a great part of that community and there were so many good stories like that of the sharing and and, and that's where we talked before about with the shop 4703 concept you know we are a village and we need to support each other, and that's how we stay alive. And if you think you're going to do it on your own, no, you're not. And there are going to be these things like cyclones that come up, like personal issues that come up, health problems that come up. The way we got around is I went to work with a company that was cleaning up the broken trees and the big holes that were in the ground from the trees that were pushed over. I was working 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week for probably eight weeks straight. And that's how we kept their doors open by well, going off and doing something else. And we also had a massive sale. We had a huge 50% off sale. We basically sold everything at cost just to continually get the, the turnover. Yeah. But again, that's them watching numbers and going, okay, well, you know, what do we do here? We've just got to try something. So. We, and the it last thing you want to do is look like a vulture. Op, you know, yeah. there was and there was a lot of that. People selling generators at triple the prices yeah. and things like that. And, and we went, no, we we'll go the opposite way. That's what we, we, yeah. hear, we hear about the opportunistic stories. We yeah. don't hear about the community. You talk about four seven zero three community. Mm. So how is that? How does that manifest? You talk about you know, going down giving if you need to, but how did that develop in an area that traditionally hasn't had that kind of Retail community said so that was a fairly new, fairly new retail community. Well, you saw a lot of people on Facebook or you put in families saying, you know, so-and-so need blankets, so-and-so, they, they can't get any, you know, baby milk or whatever. And there was that many people going, I've got that, I've got that, I've got that. And so the amount of shares and um, support just alone just for things that, for survival. People were going right back to survival. They needed, like you said, meat in their freezers. And so there was a lot of people just sharing what they had, which was great. Um, in the business community, because we'd started that Shop 4703 Association, which effectively Shop 4703 means shop local, yeah. but we call it, you can't call it a shop local, no, it's people switch off as soon as they hear shop local, they turn off, it's been done, it's been killed, it's so, we started and we, we got together with all those business owners and we've become quite good friends, whereas before you'd sort of look down the street and you'd, you know they'd look back at each other going, oh, what are those mongrels doing now, maybe, maybe we can do that and do it cheaper and stuff like that, you know, nobody wins so we've really sort of created that village vibe where we can all sell coconuts but i'll sell white coconuts you sell red coconuts you sell and if a customer comes in we can say look we don't sell red coconuts but i'll call carmel she's got white coconuts i'll make sure they're in stock for you i'll give her a call right now but it creates a great shopping experience it's like the old macy's in in the, in the new york 30, 34th street oh yeah movie, new, new york or 34th street yeah. christmas movie where Macy's starts telling where to go and get their product if they don't have it. Mm -hmm. And it was originally seen as we're well, sending away customers, but what you're doing is creating loyalty. That's it. You're, you're creating a shopping experience. And you, yeah. my famous, well, not mine, the, the quote I like to go back to is you can't play tennis looking at the scoreboard. 
you, our job is to supply a good service and a great experience for our customers. And the school board will take over because you're focusing on doing what's good for your customers. Well, and they will come back. And shop for a 703. We really, we always said that, you know, we will support each other to stay different. So that when people come to town, all of our shops are different. We all support each other and we all are really proud of where we live together. And people say they can feel that. Yeah. So it, it's created a cool little town. And that does create a better experience because if you're seeing New Coon as a destination mm. and wanting to create it as a destination, which mm. it isn't at the moment or hasn't been in the past. Hasn't been, yeah. And you're now creating that into a destination, knowing that you can go and spend a, a weekend or spend a few days there and have mm. different shops and not have the same thing in every shop. We've created that shopping hub. It does allow you to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, your true character comes out when the tough times happen. And you say when you, you're faced with these adversities, um, in Shop 473, like, there was a time where the first thing you ask is your suppliers is, do we have a supplier in your pool already? And if they say no, okay, good deal. Deb was sitting next to one of the other shop owners and said, oh, we placed this order with this, da, 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 da. And she said, well, that's one of my suppliers. And to build faith, or just immediately, they picked up the phone to that supplier, and it was like a $600 order. She said, please cancel that order. You already have a supplier in your boot, and here it you is. You should have told me that. And she, and she, the, the other shop owner went, wow, it really is working. You know, yeah. They really are practicing what they preach. And so from that point on, people could see. That's where we want to be a good effect. example. And you do it by good example. But I tell you what, you know, there's some sphincter puckering stuff when you win. <laughs> Well, when I lost my job out at the mines, so I was still supporting pretty much the business and it was sort of ticking along, so that there was a bit of a safety net. Once I was laid off out at the coal mines, as... as it got real. And then we only had a one retail space, and I said to them, look, absolutely, we cannot pull the amount of trade out of that one shop. We're going to have to double in size, knock a hole in the wall, convince the neighbours to go commercial, convince them... That you know we can knock a hole in the wall and have two landlords and then when we Deb were facing the scary and, and Deb said we're already going broke we're going backwards now we can't afford to do that and I was like well we can't afford not to so you damned if you do damned it and what we had seen the improvements and then Deb just flourishing in that business and and the more she learned and the more. I've created a bit of a monster. At one point, she would say to the banks, I would say, question the interest rates. Oh, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You, no, no, that's the... I said, no, no, Go back to the I banks now. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Now I do. Back. Yeah, no, so she's truly becoming a business person. So it's just, it's good to know that, you know, if I'm not here anymore or, you know, whatever health issues I have, Deb can continue on and... There it is. And what it, what it seems in the way that you talk about each other's roles also is that you know how to play to each other's strengths. Mm. You mentioned earlier, Chris, that it's a it's a talent scout kind of activity, but Deb plays in her lane and knows how to place well and, and, and does it and, and thrives in that space. And you do in the production side knowing what you can produce, what the minimum orders can be and how to make the most out of that process. And then you communicate to share ideas and to, to develop the business as you need to. Mm. Chris can see more in the future. He can, yeah, he's way better at that than I am. So we do, we, we know when to step back in our lane. <laughs> it's fun. Well, I guess we've had a bit of experience previously with a couple of startup businesses as well, other people. So we kind of sat in the passenger seat, but, you know, still had the opportunity. Like I ran the operations and Deb again was in the, in the book side of things. So we've, and it was in our home. Someone else's so, business. Someone else's mm. business in our home. So we've got, yeah, so it was it's international a lot of pressure. Yeah. 
Go and on. we've learned how to work together. And it, it's, you have to put the square pegs in the square holes. Yeah. You know, you, you can't get the hammer out and start driving things in because you know, there's going to be some splinters. But I'll give you a very good example. Someone gave us a gift certificate to Coffee Club and said, you two can't stop talking business. You've got to learn when to find some balance. And we went, oh, yeah, whatever. So they gave us a certificate. We went over and had a glass of wine, and we could not do it. We could not talk about they anything said, you but can't business. Talk, you can't talk about business. Yeah. You can go over there. That's you can rule. have this glass of coffee or glass of wine yeah. or whatever, but you can't talk business. Deb lasted 30 seconds. We couldn't do it. <laughs> So that was a really big lesson for so, us. So, so how do you manage that when you're always on and you're, and, and I guess, do you need to manage that or, or, or have you found balance in your own, in, in your 24 hour day? We're finding it now. It's we? taken a long time, but yeah. you have to recognize it. Burnout, you're no good to anybody. Yeah. And it, we became, worst. yeah, we became business partners, not a married couple. Yeah. And, and effectively, you know, I think it's, you know, it became very difficult and that's all we talked about. So. Hmm. Yeah, we have a sailboat. Yeah, so, yeah, we can go out and so switch off. Do you have designated time now where you, where you sort of have a, a mutual agreement that this is kind of... Well, we take the same time? days off now, yeah. and we have someone work the shop, and if the weather is good, we just try to go. No, I guess we're still working on that a little yeah. bit because we'll go out on a boat and, you know, it's it turns into business, you know. But Plus it's in say, a more relaxed I... atmosphere, yeah, so you're, yeah. you're looking in from the outside a little bit. You're not so deep in it. So you're both... There's a... There's a a theory or an idea that the, the old school idea of having to turn off business and only be on some of the time and have downtime and not talk about business is, is, I guess, the old school way of thinking about it. But it's if you're in your genius and it's where you're flowing, it's where you get your great energy and your passion talking about your business, then why do you need to turn it off? It's just recognising that between the two of you that you balance each other's needs around that passion that you have. Well, the really funny part about that is one time we, and we, you know, we hardly ever drink. We we're, we go to bed very early, <laughs> and we had a bottle of wine one night, and the ideas started flowing, and we ended up coming up with some very creative candle names and scents and and a whole range, because we finally relaxed. So yeah. you know there is a and again uh, creating that connection with our community. So yeah. we've created the Capricorn Coast collection, mm. which is a bunch of fragrances that remind us and sort mm. of end the tourists and the people around us reminded like Byfield Rainforest, Cap Coast Cooler. Um, your Yippin. Boon Sunrise, Keppel Moon. So rather than getting your traditional candle flavours or smells Correct. that you get across, in most candle ranges, you're creating something that's unique and niche for your area. Well, Chris drove out Absolutely. to Byfield and he did a big, you know. You just immerse yourself. I had to immerse myself mm -hmm. in the, into the rainforest, but, you know, it's kind of a musty smell. And then you go back and you try and find those aromas and then you try and mix that. But you can't kind of make something smell too nasty like a rainforest. <laughs> You've got to pick a few flowers out of there every so often. No, you know, it, it turned out extremely well. It was one of the hardest yeah. I had to do. But Pumpkin Island's a great example. Yeah. You know, in our candles, what grows on Pumpkin Island. Yeah, so yeah. it's very Agave specific. nectar and passion fruit and things like that. So we yeah. sort of mixed all that up and the owners came and tried everything out. So how, do, how is it that you create the smells? You, you say you go out and you immerse yourself into the space and, and is it you've worked so long now with the different scents of the candles that you can recognise them that easily? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and especially as a bloke, you know, you walk into some of these meetings and they say, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a candle maker, you know. I'm in touch with my femininity. And I know people out there can't really see me, but I'm about six foot two and about 117 kilos. <laughs> and I'm not very smart, but I can lift heavy things. So. And obviously I've got a nose for fragrances. Yeah. So, you know, but that's a learned thing. Um, You're very it, good at it. 
Yeah, no, actually, it was great. There was another business in town, Posey. Um, she's got a florist. And we tried and tried, and it wasn't quite right. And I said, you know, that's it. You're coming out to the to where we the manufacture, shed. to the shed, and we're sitting down. We're going to grab some fragrances. And she actually had a great time, and I just let her loose and sort of smell the fragrance. And she created her own fragrance. So on her own, and that's still today is the Posy fragrance, and they, they still buy our, mm. our candles and that. So. so you say that you, I mean, the majority of your focus is on retail. But you do have that additional um, wholesalers where you can you can support your businesses in the in the area to provide fragrances that then support their businesses. Yes, yeah. and they can also have their own label. So as long as it says proudly made by Karma Candles on the bottom, and we approve the label, they can have their own product. Mm. And we pretty much make it for them. But well, that's they what we did for them really. You know, yeah. it was it, Century Recall is very powerful and especially with pumpkin, I would say it's such a tropical paradise. Um, you go over there and they've actually got a spray when they redo the rooms, they spray it through the room. So when you walk in, you kind of, there's been a couple of the bigger hotel chains have done it as well, but then they buy the candle, take it home and they light that candle, they get that century recall and they look at that candle and it instantly takes them back to the island and they go, oh, we, we really want to go back there. You know? yeah. So it's better than a fridge magnet, I guess. So you really are. So your your experience that you're creating is not only for your own store and your your customers and your community. It's actually ways that you can expand that to beyond your own your own business by supporting other businesses, which goes back to your your shop for yeah. something. And to take that one step further, we are, we do weddings the same. So if somebody wanted rose and vanilla or whatever, and they wanted that as their experience, that's what their people are going to remember at their weddings. So, so you do yeah. custom for the, for, for the is that only for local? No. Um, we've done a wedding in Brisbane. So it's an interesting market when we look at candle making and the explosion it's had in in Australia at the moment. And you've talked a little bit about how you made a point of difference for you as a business. One being that you're not looking to necessarily compete on a global scale. You really are about creating an experience and a business that meets your your financial and your personal needs in a local community, in a local way, and finding a way to maximise the potential of that within your scale. I love the concept of the artisan, the true artisan, you know, where, where you sit down and I do some of the videos when I'm making the candles, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just out there in, in the Got apron, my, my apron that I, have, I wear, it's a leather apron that, so I don't get stains all over me and things like that, and I just talk to people and I just show them, you know, this is actually, I'm hand pouring these. It's not something that I import from China and sort of just chuck a label on. We've, we've broken out into the reed diffusers, car fresheners, all that sort of stuff. I even do my own bath salts now, a luxury range soaking of bath salt. salts or soaking salts. So that's magnesium. magnesium chloride and Dead Sea Salt, Pink Himalayan mix. Um, I do the magnesium oil because I lift weights and magnesium I, amazing. Oh, it's, <laughs> I found it to be you know, a godsend, really. And I just thought, I'm, you know, why not if I'm using it? And it works. Why can't I just and then create it myself? Yeah, and a second biggest seller of ours is our reed diffusers because they last 10, 12 months, and we don't we don't compromise quality. So we make our own blend. They're not full of alcohol, and people really appreciate them because they last so long. And we also have a refill program, so they can bring their diffuser or the candle back, bring the jar back, grab a new one, get a discount. So in taking that diffuser further, we now make air diffuser oils. So all you need is four drops of those and you're you're blowing steam out of the same fragrance. So we've just we keep coming up with new products with the same fragrance. Yeah. 
So as so your, scale, your scale is actually rather than necessarily around growth in terms of market mid, share, yep. it's actually about saying how can we add value yep. from the same set? Where, where might someone else want that same set? They like as a candle, but you can also use. If they don't love candles, they've got mm -hmm. other options. Yeah. yeah, but it's about quality. You can go and buy the Chinese ones, and they're gone in a month, for example. And yeah. I had a lady come up to me in the the uh, markets when we did a bit of a Christmas market leading up into and she said look i've had this diffuser for 14 months and there's still about a quarter of an inch in the bottom and it's not quite smelling the way it used to what should i do and i said tip it out and get a new one you know like 14 <laughs> months <laughs> so you know and it was that's impressive but i had a lady come to the shop the other day and hers lasted over two years she said i love it mm -hmm. i'm caring and again it depends on the fragrance yeah. we just make yeah. them the same way with the same amount of fragrance so that it lasts and it's quality. But the funny part is we have caravanners come through every 12 months now, and those same caravanners are on the CV, and they're telling each other about different shops, you know, all the way up the coast. And I had a lady come in the other day with her diffuser jars, and she said, I've had these in my caravan. Two years, they're just finally done. Wow. The caravan behind them came through and said, I brought my jars too. So they were there 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, there you go. We're training them well. Organically. <laughs> yeah, on accident, yeah. yeah. Supplying so a fun. service to your customer. So talk a little bit more about the how, because you've talked about a little, you've talked about that a lot, and you've mentioned it indirectly at the moment about the importance of creating experience, about giving customers what they want, and providing them something that they need and get value out of. Why is that so important for you, and why do you think that's so important for for business generally, and in particular small business? People, you. you if you have a great experience and you are charged a little bit more, is that such a bad thing? Do you, are you upset about that? However, if you don't have such a good experience and you're charged the same, you still probably won't go back because it wasn't a great experience. It's all about the experience. And go back to day dot when we started this, I was flying to the US to buy good candles because I couldn't actually get them here. Wow. So I was going long ways to get a good candle. <laughs> so, so that doesn't yeah. give you a good experience when you're not happy with the product. Yeah, so no. it's all about a good experience. Quality is really so important. It's a quality product, but then it's actually creating a connection with that product, not just, and with the individuals, yeah. not just with a transaction, not just having a transaction. Yeah. Well, we all know a brand is a thousand little things. Yeah. You know, whether it be you had to get a good experience from the product, you get a good experience from the customer service, you get a good experience when you walk into the, to the, area and it's got a good ambiance the music that you're playing has to be sort of along you saying we play the bit of reggae we because we're reggae. coastal you know it's God, deb hates my fijian shit but i love the thing and that's what we are you know, like that's correct and we do that tropo day on friday you know yeah. our count, local council has got a tropo day every friday you're supposed to sort of just wear a tropical shirt and chris thing, is you know? bouncing and, around town going it's friday it's, it's friday, friday. <laughs> <laughs> like oh no Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, what what's next in your in your business journey? Because the business you're saying is about increasing productivity, about uh, making it a, a better overall package for you as a family and as a, as a business. So, what do you see, Cost of Funk? Well, we've actually morphed a little bit and changed recently because we have a water park across the street from us, and it's gotten quite popular. So, we've actually morphed our shop, diversified the rest of the shop into instead of expensive fancy homewares we've kind of morphed into beach towels and sunscreen and hats and sunglasses and it's things about, that people will need it's about identifying your customer yeah yeah who, so who is coming changing. into our shop yeah. what is happening around you and this again we, we talked about it last night it's probably the most misquoted quote I, I think it is however i kind of live by it with 
Charles Darwin, who's, who says the, the most, it's not the most intelligent, the strongest or the fittest that will survive. It's those that can adapt to change. Mm. And that's where we are. You have to continue to look up. You have to ask your customer what they're looking for. Are you happy with what we have in the shop? You communicate with your customer. You look outside. So as Deb said, we, we saw that that beachfront is becoming more and more a tourist area. And we're right there. It's like... It's like the fish and chip shop that kept getting asked for ice cream and he got upset because I, I'm, look, I don't sell ice cream. Well, why don't you just sell ice cream? So it's the, along those, it's not that simple, but it is effectively. We've never dreamed we would sell thongs. We're not a clothing shop, nothing. And we put a rack of thongs out and the amount of people on Facebook said, wow, it's so inviting when we drive by and we see all the, you know, the stuff that hanging outside. And I'm thinking, we never did that before. And let's <laughs> let's back up a step. We yeah. just didn't all of a sudden put those in there. What happened is it, it was a, out of the misfortune mm -hmm. of the um, surf shop around the corner that actually went bust. A friend of ours. They yeah. shut it down. And she said, look, I've got a couple of the suppliers. Would you like me to pass them on to you and I, we said well of course we, we don't want to see that go and we just sort of moved it around the corner from where she was so we didn't actually create another competition for anybody else in town it's just we took moving. her suppliers we, yeah we moved their suppliers so we didn't feel badly about no, you know or trying to do something that somebody else was already doing mm. so we started doing uh, along those lines and yeah it's working out all right so it's a little bit of market research whether ad hoc or, or more formally about seeing okay what, what, what are we being asked for what are our clients looking for when they come in what are that what is the add-ons that we could add Correct. once you get the mini store for your beach towels and, and the thumbs and, and the sunscreen they're now seeing the rest of the store and yeah. seeing, seeing everything else they can, that you can offer but if you're a, if you were a glass half empty type of person you would look around and say oh that shop's shutting my god this place is going down the should we what are we going to do we can't do any more we're not going to take anything more on oh we should be closing up we shouldn't be ordering any more we didn't. We, we did looked at that as an opposite, as an opportunity, and said, "Look, you know that those suppliers are now available. We're going to actually ramp up. We can see the potential. You know, the, the foreshore is getting better, and there are stuff. You know, we are pushing. So, you know, it, it's about understanding. You know, again, it's long term we stuff. You have to. It's so many things you look at. You you read the newspapers. You understand what the economy is doing. You're involved with your community. You're involved with, and from that you." get a feel for what's happening. If I were to start getting the feel that things were not going so well, the mining again started taking a bit of a downturn and you know the housing, I talked to the real estates and you start getting that feeling that when Tourism. we go to the trade shows, I'd, I'd be putting a bit of pressure on the reins on them with the spending and saying, hey, no, no, look. and we have done that. And we communicate that way. Look, and, hey, Deb, look, let's not, let's just sort of ride this, this year out just sort of see how it goes. Let's just sort of back off. But it, but in saying that, we, our shop is always full, and it's always interesting, and it's always different. So that's one thing. We've actually hired a lady to spin the store every week. So if, you, if you're local, you come in every few weeks. It's always different no matter what. So you're actually, so you're actually and that's interesting, you're talking about shopping, shop local 473, which you, you've mentioned. Yep. But by, by doing that change, it's not actually only for the tourists. Yep. You're actually making sure that your local community also catered for and cared for. Because we do it. We need more local support and we need more tourism. So in the meantime, we're trying to cater for both. Yeah. And we have to. It's the 80-20 rule. You we know, should be relying. 80% of your time on the 20% of people and give you 80% of your business. Yeah, yeah. But in 100%. truth, we should be relying on local trade and the tourism should be a bonus. And our local trade do not have money at the moment. Yeah. It's true. It's, I asked the 
Bendigo Bank people last night at the um, 100 Faces Small Business. How's things in Queensland at the moment? And he basically just said, tough. Yeah. And that's pretty much how it is. And it, you know, it's, it's tough, especially in the regional areas. And this is where we go back, you know, the, it's different down here in the southeast corner where we are now in Brisbane. You look around and you see all the cranes and the building and the spending of the money and the billions of dollars they want to put in tunnels under here and there. And you go up into there where huge amounts of money come out of that Bowen Basin and the coal mining and, and things like that. And we, we really feel that, you know, there could be a bit more done. You know, the tourism is sort of slowing down and it, was, it doesn't take much. It's low-hanging fruit. And I, I mentioned that to a few of the more important people there last night and I think they got my message fairly clear that um, it's low-hanging fruit. But it's an interesting concept about the travel. I mean, the distance to your room from here is not significant. I mean, it's, it's, it's a flight, but it's not an arduous flight. Mm. You've got, we've got a lot of money. In South East, we've got a lot of money southeast Queensland into the Gold Coast and, and Sunshine Coast. And sort of, yeah. once, and then in Cairns, of course, but mm. sort of in between Cairns and Sunshine Coast, unless it's Port Douglas, mm. there's kind of not very much between. So what is, what, what do you see that you, who needs from a, from a business or a, or a, change in the way that we view that region that's going to help build the tourism we've we've already identified it and they understand that you know a lot of them understand federally and state now understand and they can see that um what they can do is you know i don't know that's that's kind of their yeah. thing but they understand the problem now and when they can see it that there is an issue and it is low-hanging fruit um it's just getting bums on seats up there you know we need and, tourism and, what we have up there in that region, the Keppel Bay has 17 islands and 35 beaches just in the Keppel Bay area. They are pristine beaches. The water, the coral species that are just between Great Keppel Island and North Keppel Island, they are, it, on the Great Barrier Reef, there is the most species of coral in that whole Great cool. Barrier Reef right there. And you've also hit it on the head. When you get to Yapoon, everything's free. It's not like going to Hamilton. Not everything well, is free. Example. It's a great family opportunity. Yeah. You go to some of these other yeah. great tourist spots, but yeah, they might be able to fly in there. But when you get there, you better get your wallet out. Yeah. Whereas we, we've got a, a beautiful Emu Park, Anzac Walk that you can just take and it describes it's the wars. It's absolutely fantastic. The lookouts. Now we've got the beautiful world class lagoon in, in Yapoon. Um, in the foreshore that's coming across. They've just built the, the um, disaster management center there through, and that's going to be doing training for the region, not just in, in our little area. It's huge. So there are some really good things there, and we've just got to market those better and make sure people understand. But that region is so underbaked that it is absolutely spectacular. It's extremely affordable to buy, too. At the moment, yeah. yeah. Like it is the property value. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it is a really good spot to buy in. <laughs> so, what is we've talked sort of about your business and some of the challenges that around that you faced in terms of linking, obviously with Cyclone Marsha and also just your evolution as a business from let's make some candles on the weekend to now being your your life, mm. both family mm. and work life. So, what are the what are the what advice would you give? somebody wanting to take their hobby or take an idea they have and turn it into a business? What are the two baby or three steps. things? Yeah, baby, baby steps. steps. Um, make sure, you know, you have to be passionate about it to start with. Um, make sure you're not taking something that you love doing and making it a job. 
because you know I'm always thought about let's say sailing. You know, I'd love to be able to take get a bigger sailboat and take people out on the weekends. However, that'd ruin probably my only time that I, I get away and just mm. take my shut my brain down. So yeah. there's an opportunity, but I'm not going to take it. So um, I guess baby steps, um, dip your toe in the water, dip your toe in the water, get it started, get your feedback um, before you even start. Don't listen to people. If, if you think it's going to go, you know, have a go. Yeah. Again, Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you don't okay. take. And, and also, I think, there's a sense of that community of recognising, you know, know what you know, but also recognise what you don't know mm. and seek some advice and some support in the areas that you don't know. Yeah, but don't listen to everybody. When we first started, our accountant said, oh, there's already these people around that are doing that sort of stuff, and they're not doing very well. And oh, I don't know. I don't expect you guys to be around for very long. But, you know, like, and we kind of sat back and looked at this old guy and went, well, fair enough. But the other part of us, as I said, you know, on that other video, is uh, owning your own business or starting a business is like jumping out of an aeroplane with all the parts for a parachute. And then figuring out how to put it together on the way down before you hit the ground. And that puts the pressure on. And you've just got to believe in yourself and believe in your own abilities and believe that this, your gut instinct tells you that you're, it's going to work. And you will make it work because you have to. Yeah. So Coral Funk is in your poem. Coastal, so coastal Funk. Yeah. Sorry. Coastal Funk is in your poem. Yes. And, you, and your candles are coastal candles. Karma candles, candles is candles. our company. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all the same. All the same brand. Yeah. We again, we had them all from yeah. Karma Candles. People walk past. We, and said, oh, we just thought we just thought you were a candle shop, so we didn't bother coming in. Whereas we've got artwork, decor, wow. um, all that sort of stuff. So we rebranded everything, changed it again. So we've gone through a number of phases, and that's just that was one of them. Yeah. And now we're in the middle of rebranding our look again because we're going to go for a very tropical feel. So we're re we're doing redoing all of our signage and everything so, so through tweaking the knobs and turning the volume up on those profitable items as we said we, we're going to merchandise those better we've got new shelving going in with led lights so it highlights that new branding that we've done with the tropical background and it looks absolutely spectacular so the merchandising you know stack it high and watch them buy <laughs> you know and so the website if people want to have a look at your business coastalfunk.com.au and you have an instagram page it is coastal underscore funk underscore karma with a K underscore candles with a K. And we're going to put all those details on the anonymous knowledge web page and also awesome. podcast page. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I know we could talk for a lot longer about some of the challenges of small business and, and what you're doing, but I'd be really keen to maybe in about a year's time when you started to have these changes and your poonies started to grow to come back and chat to you again and see I guess the next phase of your your business and what's coming next because only if you come time. up and do it personally we can yeah. do that <laughs> we, can, we can do that I've actually been sitting I've never been to Keppel I've never been up north I've never been past Kuta. I've never been past uh, Noosa so We've got I, I need to get up north and Absolutely. past the Sunshine Coast yep, yep. Um, it's been an absolute Invitations pleasure open. Chris and Deb um, these guys are one of the 100 faces of the Queensland Small Business Week, um, basically representing the small business market in Queensland, which we discovered is 97.5% of the businesses in Queensland are providing a significant uh, boost to the economy, but also providing opportunities and showing individuals what you can do when you have a go, when you take a little bit of calculated risk and chances, but also when you're passionate about what you want to do and really just go for it.
So thank you so very much for, for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you.